You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Western history has led us to the most prosperous age in the history of humanity. And yet more and more, our kids are taught to be ashamed of their country. Are you tired of Common Core, Howard Zinn-influenced, revisionist history in our schools? Do you want your family to have fun learning about history that you can trust? Do you want your kids to learn to love history? Then DriveThroughHistory.com is for you. The guys over at DriveThroughHistory.com have created a world of entertaining, on-location, video-based courses for your kids. They've got ancient history, American history, biblical history, and world history. Perfect for all of you who find yourself homeschooling for the first time. It's fun, and your kids are going to love it. To learn more, head over to drivethruhistory.com forward slash Zuby, Z-U-B-Y, where they've got streamed courses and old school DVDs, and you can use the code Zuby, Z-U-B-Y, at checkout for 20% off any order. That's drivethruhistory.com forward slash Zuby. Go check it out. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Now, on today's episode, we have got on something a little bit different. I was having a Twitter conversation with my followers a couple of weeks ago where we were just discussing family size, people having children, etc. And then what happened was a lot of people started posting photos of their families. People started uh, posting photos saying how many kids they had, things like this. And the man I'm about to introduce definitely drew my attention and that of a lot of other people because he and his wife have 16 children. So I would like to welcome Alex Peabody to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing fantastic, man. Thank you for having me on. Awesome, man. Um, so I've done a brief intro right there, but for people who are curious, I'm sure that's perked a lot of ears. Uh, tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do. Um, well, what I do before anything else, I'm a father and a husband. Um, that's the most important thing to me. And I think everybody can kind of see that. Um, I'm 40 years old. And with 16 kids, you can kind of tell we've had those real, real close together. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I work for a small electrical subcontractor out of Percival, Virginia. Okay. So I'm going to ask the first question, which is the one that a lot of people have been asking. It's a single one word question. And the question is, well, the first one is why, and the second one is how. 
the why is a really complicated question. Okay. Uh, it took my wife and I a long time and a lot of discussion uh, to come to a place where we were in agreement with doing something that was so at odds with what a lot of our friends were doing. Um, in our friend group, we were the first to get married. Um, we got married young. Mm-hmm. Um, and also in our friend group, we were the first to have kids or to begin mm-hmm. having kids. We had kids young. Um, when, uh, I mean, if I had to break it down, I could break it down, you know, from a, from a, an ethical standpoint, I think mm-hmm. that having children is the single greatest thing that, that we can do as, as a species. We take our values, we take our, our worldview, our perspectives, and we can offer that to another young man or woman, and we can raise them in a manner that, uh, it gives them a good step and a, a good, uh, a good head start on life. Um, I could do a lot of things with my time. I could do a lot of things with, with our money, with our finances. Um, but there's nothing that even comes close uh, to the reward that we receive by investing in a child. Wow. So how old were you when you, how old were you when you got married and how old were you when you had your first child? We got married. I was 18. Okay. My wife, was 19. She's a little bit older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and two years later, we had our first child. Okay, so, wow. And did you, did you go into this with the idea of having so many children? Or was it something that evolved over time? Oh, we definitely did not go into this with okay. the idea of having 16 kids. Not at all. I mean, we had it all planned out. Um, we, uh, we dated for a very long time. Um, mm-hmm. I've known her since I was a child. I've known oh, her wow. since I was I think, nine years old. Oh, wow. Okay. We started dating when we were 14. Mm-hmm. Um, we dated throughout high school. Um, I joined the military out of high school. And when I got back, I asked her to marry me. And from there, we just we began building a family together. Um, we initially, we were going to have three, maybe four kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were going to space them out because I was reading different articles and the scientific perspective of, you know, how far apart should your children be spaced in order for the, the greatest growth and development um, of each child. And, and everybody has perspectives on that. You know, what's the most healthy thing to do for a child? What's the most healthy and effective way to, to raise children? Um, so uh, my wife and I were, were trying to plan it out so that we would have one child and then maybe we would have a second child, a year and a half, maybe two years later, mm-hmm. and those two children will be close friends. And then we would have a large gap, and then we might have two more children, and then we'd be finished. Um, I mean, to get into the nuts and bolts of it, that's the question you're asking. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, something definitely changed, changed along uh, after these uh, carefully calculated plans. So, Most definitely. Um, we, were, we were a young couple, and my wife was on a, a a birth control shot that she would take once a month. Um, and it definitely threw her hormones. I mean, it was, it was, it was awful. It was okay. really, bad. it was difficult for us. I mean, we were young, mm-hmm. newly married. And for us to have that type of conflict in our marriage, I mean, man, it was scary. I mean, it was. Yeah. So we, we, we talked more about that. Um, and it was her idea, blaming her. It was her idea to say, well, you know, maybe we just, we just don't do birth control. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, 
that led to other conversations, um, conversations that that began, you know, entering into what really is birth control, what does it really do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got a little bit more educated on on uh, on how birth control actually prevents a pregnancy or stops a pregnancy, stops the implantation. I'm extremely pro-life. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is both my politics and that's my morality. Um, and when I, I realized that there was the potential, I know it's not every, every instance, but if there's just the potential that uh, a fertilized embryo can be uh, disrupted by birth control, that's mm-hmm. not something that neither my wife or I wanted. So we decided that we were going to move away from birth control um, and we were going to uh, invest our time and our effort and our energy and seeing how many kids that, that God gave us. Wow. Um, and he most definitely decided to test our resolve. <laughs> um, we, uh, my wife and I realized that apparently we're really good at, at having kids. Oh yeah. Um, For real. Understatement. So that's, that's, that's the position that we, we moved from. We moved from uh, four kids all planned out to, to having, having 16. Wow. So I take it based on what you just said, that there's a, there's the potential for more there is that- there is not oh there is not okay, no, not. <laughs> okay. so you you caught me at, at the at the end of at the okay. end okay 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 my wife and i we uh we we had a conversation um about a year ago um and we had a conversation uh, about a year and a half ago where um i mean it's it's obviously having this many children it's a stress on her physically sure. and this stress on her physically, uh, it, it, it accumulates over time. Mm-hmm. And the woman that she is, she's more than willing to do that. She's, she's willing to, um, to make that sacrifice of her own discomfort in order to bring a life into the world. That's, mm-hmm. that's the woman that she is. That's the woman that I married. Um, but I, as a husband, I have to look at her and say, you know, look, this, we're at a position now where from a health standpoint, you know, I, I want you to be around for all of our children. They're going to need you. You know, our daughters are going to, are going to need you to, to, to teach them all these feminine things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I want you to be there for that. So we, uh, we made the decision that our last child would be our most recent child would be our last. Okay. Um, so our youngest child uh, is almost two right now. Okay. She's our last. Wow. Well, firstly, I want to say, man, congratulations. Like <laughs> when you, uh, when you posted that picture of your family, I was, uh, I, I almost like fell out of my chair. I was just, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was just like, well, we, we have the winner. Like, you know, so I, I saw, I was seeing like five, six, seven, as soon as you said 16, I was like, okay, that this is a, this is a wrap game, o- game over. Hand over the crown. The tr- the trophy is here. Thank you for participating. Yeah, I mean that that is, that is phenomenal. And um, honestly, like God bless you. That's that's in- that's incredible. Um, so I'm curious to know how how you've managed it. Um, there there are so many questions that come with that. But I guess from from the beginning, from having your first child at um, at a young age, up until the point, not so long later. I mean. Am I right in saying so all of these kids are within a 17 year or so span? Yes, absolutely. Our yeah. oldest our oldest child is getting ready 
to turn 20. Okay. And our youngest is getting ready to turn two. So okay. they're all right within 18 years. Wow. Now, we do have one set of twins. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of cheated a little bit there. Um, <laughs> we'll, but, allow, we'll allow that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our closest kids, we have, we have one set. Uh, we have two of my boys that are about 13 months apart. Oh, wow. They're, they're quite, quite close. Mm. Um, but uh, I mean, how, how we do it, I wish I could give you a really in-depth you know, answer that, would, <laughs> that would, many people could take in and go, oh, that's the solution. Yeah. Um, it's just our life. Mm. I mean, it really is. It's just our life. It's been, it's been our life uh, for the past 20 years. Yeah. Um, and you know, from, the, from the moment we get up in the morning to the moment we go to bed at night, mm-hmm. it's you know, make sure the kids are, are fed, make mm-hmm. sure the kids are educated. And make sure the kids are yeah, taken care of, and then put back to sleep again. Wow. Do you um, uh, do you homeschool? Yes, we do. Okay. It's, and um, how is that? How is that weighed out? Does your does your wife do the majority of that, or how do you how do you balance it between you two? So um, my wife takes care of the younger ages, mm-hmm. and I will step in and I assist with all of the kids uh, who are in high school. Okay. Um, so they have assignments during the day that they are to complete. And when I get home from work, that's what I do. I walk in the door, I kiss my wife, I grab, hug the kids, and then I go over and I, I grab my high school kids and we'll sit down and we'll start going over all the assignments that they had to complete throughout the day. Mm. Um, there's definitely things that we've had to change throughout the process because the things that you try at first might not always be the things that you stick with. Yeah. And adaptability has been key to all this. Because, I mean, I, I parent one way with four children, mm-hmm. but your parenting style has to adapt and shift. I mean, from my time in the military, I mean, that's one of the things that I, I've kind of brought over to this. It's a fluid battlefield. Okay. You've got to be able to change. Um, you've got to be able to adapt, not just what you're teaching, but how you teach it so that it's best received by the people who you desperately want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our homeschooling methods have changed some. But it still comes down to, are they learning? Are they learning effectively? Um, and are they learning in such a manner that it's going to stick with them? Yeah. So that's, that's how we pursue that. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's fascinating. I mean, a big and obvious question a lot of people have been asking is, how do you, how do you afford it from a financial perspective? What are the what are the logistics? So, I mean, you, you've obviously got the financial aspect and then of course you've got, let, let's just take two fina- finances and housing and also transport. Uh, those seem to be three <laughs> things that a lot of people were asking about, like, Oh my gosh, like, is this guy like a, a billionaire? Like how, do, how does he do this? Like, you know, people are like, I've only got one kid and I'm, I'm struggling to do this. Like I, I've only got two kids and I'm struggling to do this. So how do you, uh, let, let's take the financial aspect first. How do you, how do you go about managing that? Um, with just so many dependents, it's not easy. Yeah, um, it's it's most definitely not easy. Um, I, I will say that we couldn't have done it um, if my wife wasn't staying home. Okay, um, she she doesn't work, but because she doesn't work, it it sounds like she does work. She doesn't do. Well, uh, yeah, she, she, <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she's not paid for her work. Yeah. Because she's able to run our household as efficiently as she does, that saves us a tremendous amount of money. Mm. So instead of us going out and purchasing meals 
um, were able to, to buy ingredients and make food at home. Mm-hmm. And the difference between buying food versus buying ingredients can be drastic. Yeah. Um, we will, uh, we will pursue anything that we can make at home, um, cheaper than we can purchase elsewhere. If we can do it, we're going to do it mm-hmm. uh, instead of you know, going out and buying it elsewhere. Um, we definitely buy secondhand. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will purchase things that have staying power, uh, secondhand books. Mm-hmm. My kids love to read. I love to read. Awesome. So uh, books are a lot cheaper than uh, video game systems. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we do have uh, video game systems, mm-hmm. I have teenage boys, so I've got to do something. <laughs> uh, we, we, we definitely look for things that are, that are entertainment wise. We look for things that are, are free or cheap. Mm-hmm. And one of the wonderful things about that is it's, it's free to go outside. Yes. It's cheap to buy a football. It's cheap to buy a basketball mm-hmm. and it doesn't take a whole lot of money. You know, I can, I can take my kids to a park and it doesn't cost me anything. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to, to food, when it comes to clothing, um, we try to make everything in the house. We don't, we don't make our own clothing, but we do buy secondhand. And then we hand clothes down, which, yeah. and we're not the only family to come up with that. Mm-hmm. Families with four children, uh, three children, they hand clothes down through their families. And that's the most effective and efficient way of doing that. Yeah. Um, when it comes to transportation, uh, we have had in the past uh, several different vehicles, um, vehicles that actually aided in, in our homeschooling. Um, and I'll, I'll explain this because uh, it's fantastic and I love it. And I wish we still had this bus. Okay. Um, I drove down to Southern Virginia and I purchased a, a, a secondhand um, handicap bus mm-hmm. uh, that was used to transport people um, in that local area. And it was raised up, so it had a crank open door. Okay. So my kids, my kids, it was like a school bus. Yeah. It was very excited to them. They're very excited. <laughs> because, you know, school is this mythical thing that all these kids go out to, and they enjoy so much and they have a great time. Yeah. Um, so they, to them, it was their school bus. And to us, whenever we'd go on trips, uh, I had dry erase markers, and we would write out problems or we would uh, do math problems up on the, the fiberglass portion the mm-hmm. upper side of the bus. Um, and that was you know, a, a great way for us to interact together as family. Um, it was part of our transportation. Um, and it was how we also went on vacations. Um, when it comes to the really hard dollars as to how much I make, I don't make as much as people think that I make. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we definitely have to be thrifty. Yeah. I'm glad that we do. Yeah. Uh, I think that teaching thrift and teaching um, good stewardship to my children is one of the best things that I can, I can give them. Absolutely. If I taught them that, you know, I go out and I work and we have just an abundance of money mm-hmm. and you can spend whatever you want, buy whatever you want and not have to worry about it. I think that would be a bad lesson to teach them. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to an extent that uh, my children will grow up knowing the value of the dollar. Yeah, most definitely. No, that's uh, that's really interesting. And what about the uh, accommodation situation? What sort of house are you living in? How many, how many bedrooms do you have and how do you, uh, how do you split this all up? So um, I wish I could show you a picture of my house. Um, <laughs> in, 
my wife, my wife from a, from a young age, my wife has always wanted to be a mother. Okay. Um, actually when my wife and I were teenagers, we both worked at a daycare together. She worked with the babies, uh, taking care of the babies in the nursery. And I worked with the school age kids, uh, taking care of them and, you know, getting them outside and getting them playing and getting them involved. So okay. both of us got to kind of look at each other and kind of evaluate each other for, uh, our, our differing, uh, parental capabilities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was a good thing to see. Um, when it comes to our house itself, we have been planning our house for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, both how we wanted it to be laid out, uh, where we wanted the rooms to be set up and what the most efficient use of space was. Okay. Some people might be terrified at this prospect, but our, our house is about 1800 square feet. Okay. Um, which to, to fit, um, 18 people, uh, 17 people or 16 people um, inside of 1,800 square feet doesn't leave a lot of personal space. Mm. Um, we have five bedrooms in our house and three bathrooms. Okay. Um, in those five bedrooms, my wife and I take up one, mm-hmm. four remaining rooms. Um, at one point, we had four girls in one room. We had two girls uh, in another. Mm-hmm. The baby was in my wife and I's room in the nursery or in a, in a crib. And then downstairs we have uh, my sons, four sons in one room, four sons in the other. Wow. Um, the rooms are not big, mm-hmm. so we definitely use bunk beds. Yeah. I've gotten skilled at building beds. Oh, wow. Okay. Building them elevated and up into the wall so that they're up and out of the way. Um, an efficient use of space is one of the most critical things that, that, that I've, I've, I've learned. Without using space efficiently, uh, we kind of go crazy because we end yeah, up yeah. stepping <laughs> each other. Yeah. And how do you how do you handle um, you know both for yourself personally, but also between you and your wife? I mean, do you do you is personal time even a thing, or is that something that just disappeared eons ago? How do you how do you do that without just sort of as much as you love your family, I mean, just that, that sheer number of people in that such close proximity, how do you guys manage that and keep yourself and your wife and everybody else sane? I, I think the most honest answer that I can give to that is that the best way that I show my love for my wife is by taking care of her children. Mm-hmm. The best way that she shows her love for me uh, is by taking care of my children we partner together in that way. Um, and when we are partnering together well, and when we are working with our children well, I mean, that's, that's a moment when you know, I, I'm continually reminded of all of the effort and dedication that she has placed. Um, you know, she's dedicated her life towards our family. Yeah. She's reminded of the dedication that I've, I've, I've assigned to our family. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our love language. That's how we speak love to each other. Yeah. Um, now, do we also need to get away every once in a while? Most. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I will say that until our kids were old enough to, that we could leave one home to watch the, the younger children uh, for the first 15 years or so, we never left the house. Wow. It was, unless we were all together. Yeah. Um, but uh, in the she school, in the school does, bus. Oh yeah. Or yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> um, when my kids started driving, oh, it was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Because then I could say, hey, you've got a car now. Yeah. You can go pick up your little brother and you can go take him here and you can go do this. So I had a bunch of little chauffeurs and it was fantastic. Mm. Um, do, do you find that it, the, it, I'm sure it must mature the older kids very quickly? It absolutely does. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we've wanted to be very careful of, however, and this is something that I, I picked up a lot of conversation on Twitter, it, not every large family is the same, mm-hmm. um, just like not every small family is the same. Uh, one of the biggest concerns for both my wife and I is that I don't want, I don't want to take my children's childhood away yes. by making them parents at the age of 11. Yes. That's not something that I want. Mm. I do want them to enjoy their siblings, but I want them to see them as siblings. I don't want them to see them as children. Mm. Um, so my wife and I work very, very hard at making sure that when an older brother is taking care of a younger brother, um, it, is, it is a brother relationship. Yeah. And that is, it's not a, not a father relationship. It's a brother relationship, and that's really, really, really crucial. Um, how, how do you do that in terms of sort of a, a practical sense? We do it by you know, having that conversation with particularly the older brothers mm-hmm. and making sure that the older brothers are aware, you know, hey, it, this is something that I'm asking you to do. If it's something that you're comfortable doing, if you can do this favor for me, um, I would greatly appreciate it. It also, you know, it... it uh, it reinforces the idea of service. Yeah. I mean, in our, in our family, you've got service and thrift and, um, you know, uh, teamwork. Mm-hmm. Those three things are, are key. They're super key. Mm-hmm. If we're not, if I'm not talking with a child about, about, uh, about thrift, I'm talking with them about stewardship or, or, or service. We have to serve each other. Yeah. Uh, in much the same way that I serve my kids, I expect them to serve each other as brothers and sisters. But um, when it comes to uh, whether it's discipline or, or whether it's um, you know, somebody being in charge of somebody else, um, we'll make sure our kids know that somebody might be responsible, but they're not in charge of them. There's only one person in charge in my house, and that's me. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm not at home, it's mama. Mm-hmm. Um, Beyond that, I don't want my children to believe there's some sort of hierarchy of ages. Okay. Um, we're all responsible towards each other. Um, I've had my kids call me out for being wrong before. Um, that was a enlightening moment. Mm-hmm. I've had my teenagers want to you know, come and speak to me about something that they felt might be a little bit off kilter. Sure. Um, and uh, being able to listen to my kids with, with humility and, and say, well, you know what? I'm trying to teach you how to be independent young women. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to teach you how to be responsible and uh, fearless young women. Yeah. I'm glad that you came and you brought that to me. I'm going to listen to what you have to say. Yeah. I need to teach and instill those values in you, not push you back just mm-hmm. because well, I'm dad and you're the kids. Now we're all responsible for each other. Absolutely. And um, I had a couple of questions uh, that people were commenting. A lot of people were wondering, um, a lot of people are sort of asking for, for marriage tips, right? You know, like a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people, you know, struggle with a marriage when it's just the two people, let alone having um, another, another 16 involved. So how do you, 
what what are your what's your marriage advice? How have you maintained your marriage in what sounds like a, a very healthy, loving, dedicated way? Um, how do you fulfill the role of being a husband as well as being um, a super father and your wife being a super mother? How do you uh, make sure you've still got that time for each other? Um, that that's. Again, that's good. That's going to be different for every family. I'm going to kind of dodge that question a little bit. (laughs) That's going to be different for every family. I know that every husband and every wife that comes into a marriage, they come into it with, with baggage. They come into it with experiences. They come into it with doubts and fears. And, and that's, that's always going to be, um, you know, uh, a little bit of a wall that husbands and wives have to overcome constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not something that really, I think, goes away after time. I think it, it stays there. Yeah. It's just something you continually have to make the effort of, of saying, well, you know what? I, I'm going to believe the best in my husband. I'm going to believe the best in my wife. Um, that constant uh, pushing away of the doubt that, well, maybe they really don't like me. Maybe they really don't love me. Maybe my kids don't like me. Maybe this, maybe that. Uh, I, I think those fears that happen between husbands and wives, I think that's the the seed that really is the genesis of a lot of bitterness and a lot of uh, separation and loneliness, mm. in a lot of marriages. So my wife and I make a consistent and constant effort in our communication, where if she feels that I'm saying something that I'm not saying, mm-hmm. I feel she's saying something, I've got to be comfortable with her by saying, oh, this is what you're saying to me right now. This is what I'm hearing. And this is what it's doing to me. This is what it's making me feel like. Mm-hmm. And uh, that might seem like a tremendous amount of effort, but it stops fights. Yeah. It stops bitterness. It stops you know, uh, the, the, the separation and it pulls us back together again because it allows her to say, well, that's not what I meant. It allows me to say, well, that's not what I meant. Let me yeah. apologize. Let me be clearer. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, last night, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, last night I came home and I walked into the kitchen, um, and there was some, some trash on the floor next to the trash can. And my immediate thought was, oh, gosh, you know, my kids, uh, they missed the trash can. It's, it's right there. The trash can is right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the words that came out of my mouth was, this house is a mess. And my wife heard that from the living room. And in her mind, immediately, she's thinking, I'm homeschooling these kids. I'm, I've dedicated all day to running around and keeping track of all these kids. And what does my husband do, but come home and start complaining about the house. Yeah. Um, but instead of, you know, throwing a pillow or a lamp at me, she, got up, <laughs> she came in, talked to me and she yeah. said, that's not what I want to hear. What do you mean? The house is a mess. And so it, it gave me an opportunity to, to correct myself and be, um, to be more accurate and concise and, and, uh, and, specific in my speech gotcha. and it gave me an opportunity to be thankful for her mm-hmm. so so sort of essentially communicating to nip any potential conflict in the bud before it has time to sort of grow and create any sort of resentment or anger or just being like upset um which which a lot of people don't do right a lot of people will sort of leave it to fester and in their mind they'll be thinking mm, that thing annoyed me but they won't bring it up until maybe weeks or months or in some cases years down the line, and then it'll sort of come out in this explosion. So it sounds like you sort of just quell stuff 
immediately before it even has a chance to do that, which sounds very wise. That's a, that's a much, that's a much better summary than what I would have given. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. Um, it, the, the worst thing possible is to have a, a disagreement or a feeling of bitterness mm-hmm. sit inside of you yeah. because then it affects everything that you do. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if, if I'm, if I'm upset with my wife and I allow that bitterness to sit inside of me, it's going to affect my kids too. Of course. And my kids are going to see that mm-hmm. and my kids, whether or not they realize it, they're going to, they're going to mirror that and they're going to, um, they're going to follow that image and that behavior in me. And they're going to show it with, with their other brothers and their other sisters. Um, my wife and I both recognize the importance of our roles uh, as, as husband and wife. Our kids see us and they see our marriage. And if our marriage is falling apart, then my children will have that as the image in their minds of this is what a marriage should be. Mm. I'm not modeling for my kids the best possible image of a marriage that I'm setting them up for a failure when they move off and they look for a romantic relationship and they look for somebody that they can love and, and they can uh, live life with. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, the other point I think that really is the foundation of our marriage, aside from communication, uh, my wife and I are both Christians and our faith, our mutual faith is a, a, a key to our marriage. Um, I, I know that, uh, I mean, much less politics. You've got, you've got husbands and wives that don't agree on politics. Um, <laughs> that, I can't imagine living in, in a marriage like that yeah. um, where, uh, where you had that type of difference in, in thought process. Um, but uh, I didn't marry a stupid woman, and she's definitely changed my mind on many things. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would like to say that I'm smart enough to have married a smart woman way i can benefit from her intelligence of course you both Um, should it should be it should be mutual oh completely but our 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 mutual faith is is a great foundation for our marriage and it's a great foundation for our home that way our children can see how we take a belief that we both share and we follow it together um you know whatever that belief might be for anybody in your audience i mean people have all kinds of different beliefs Mm -hmm. that uh that, that they are passionate about um, and that mutual passion um, for our faith, that is, I mean, I've got to be honest, that's the foundation of, of our marriage, yeah. uh, more so than, than anything else. Yeah, sure. More so than, you know, the, the, logistics come, the logistics come after that foundation. Yeah, that's our motivation. Yeah, yeah. That, that is our motivation. The logistics, is just, that's just our methodology. Yeah. In terms of the logistics, what does, what does a day look like? So uh, from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, what does a, I guess maybe, maybe a weekday and then perhaps a, a weekend, I'm assuming you don't, you know, you're not going into work on the weekends. So no, what, what, um, what do those days look like? I try to avoid working on the weekends when I can, but yeah. uh, uh, sometimes you have to. Sure. Um, my wife wakes me up in the morning. I'll be very honest. She wakes me up every morning with breakfast in bed. Oh, wow. At what time? Yeah. <laughs> that's how she wakes me up. Now it's not, if people might think, well, that's, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a service. That's, you know, she's, I don't know. They might think that our house is some sort of weird backward, you know, <laughs> do this. Don't worry not about those all. people. They, they, they no, probably, no, no, no. they probably thought that as soon as they heard, heard the number 16. So yeah. <laughs> um, 
I guess they probably haven't listened this far into the podcast to hear me. <laughs> not who we are. They're co- they're but, commenting already. Just yeah, <laughs> I can't believe this guy. Um, but the reason that my wife does that is because that's what wakes me up in the morning. Yeah, food. That's what gets me up and out of bed. And my wife knows me well enough to know that <laughs> he's going to get up and go and work so that I can take his paycheck at the end of the week and I can send it out where it needs to go. Yeah. I need to bring him food to get him up in the morning. Um, so she's, uh, she's definitely figured out who I am. Yeah. Um, that's the beginning of our day. Um, and then she will usually uh, go back to sleep for about an hour or so. I leave and I go to work. Um, and our house usually starts running, um, between seven thirty and eight o'clock. Okay. Um, when our house begins, it's, uh, our children getting up, it's our children getting breakfast, they'll feed themselves, um, putting their dishes away, cleaning up the kitchen. And then each one of our children have a uh, assigned list of schoolwork that they have to complete over the course of a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and once they complete all of that schoolwork, their schoolwork is done for that week. Okay. So they want to set their schoolwork aside for a day. That's fine. It's got to be done by the end of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're in the morning after breakfast, our kids are working on schoolwork. Our older kids are, are either um, working on their schoolwork or our older kids are getting ready for work. Um, I have... Uh, I have three children no longer at home. Okay. My oldest daughter got married in March. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I'm actually, uh, she got married in March and I'm going to be a grandfather in, uh, in February. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the circle of so, life continues. Congratulations. Yeah, um, I, I got to tell you though, um, it was so hard for me to tell her, no, 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 you're too young for this. You need to wait until you're <laughs> older. Because she just turned, she said, you didn't wait. You got married. <laughs> I'm older than you are. I'm yeah. getting married right now, but I'm older than you were when you got married. How was it okay for you and not okay for me? Um, and I, I, I had to, you know, stutter over my words and say, no, 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 no. we were different. Um, you need to wait until you're 25 and you're fully settled. Um, Out of curiosity, um, did your did your pa- did your parents or your wife's parents also get married early, or do either of you come from big families as well? Neither one of us come from big families. Okay. Um, my wife has one sister. Okay. Um, and uh, I have uh, one brother and one sister. Okay. Um, my wife's sister has eleven children. Oh wow! Okay. So when they come to my in-laws house for Thanksgiving, my father-in-law had to add on to his house to fit everybody inside. (laughs) So it's, Oh, it's, it's a, it is a work of art to see how we do Christmas there at their house and placemats and place settings. And, um, we have certain kids that are, are the servers and certain kids that, that, uh, (laughs) handle the, the younger tables. Giving kids responsibility uh, when it comes to Thanksgiving and Christmas, kids crave responsibility. They love it so much. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it gives them a purpose. Uh, so I, that's uh, just an aside. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I, just, I, was, I was curious about that aspect. But uh, my, my, my oldest daughter has moved out of the house. She's gotten mm. married. Uh, her and her husband have a house of their own now. Um, 
uh, not too far away from us. Um, although I, I, I expect that later on down the road, uh, they may move further away. Sure. Um, he's actually from New York. Um, and, uh, and they, they've, they're going to start a wonderful family. He's a good guy. Awesome. Um, my, my twins, they've moved out and they have an apartment by themselves. Um, they're working on, uh, um, getting settled so that they can start going to college next year. Okay, cool. Opted not to go to college in the midst of all the COVID nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just uh, a little, it'd be, it'd be a little bit too difficult, I think, for that to be your first year of any school at all. Yeah. They're coming out of homeschool, going into college. It's going to be a big shift anyway. Of course. So to get back to our schedule with our, with my oldest three daughters out of the house, um, you know, our, my older kids who are working, they will work on their schoolwork first, get as much done as possible. And then they will go and they will go off to work because they pay for their own cars. Mm -hmm. They pay for their own phones. Mm -hmm. They pay for, um, any new clothes that they want to buy. Um, they pay for, I mean, they pay for a lot of their own things. Mm -hmm. I'm, I think that that's the best thing that we can do for them to teach them before they leave the house that things cost money. And money is only gained by an exchange of goods and services. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to exchange a service, that's, that's effort, that's work. And that means you've got to get up, you've got to be there on time, and you've got to put in effort. Um, and you know, that, that paycheck at the end of the week is a representation of time that you've spent. Mm-hmm. Um, so when our, as, our old kids, as our older kids go off to work and our younger kids stay home, uh, um, uh, sometimes my wife will have our, our younger kids prepare lunch. Um, it, it depends on who wants that task that day. Um, and then by the time I get home, uh, the, my wife has already gone through schoolwork with the younger kids and any of my kids who are in high school will bring their schoolwork to me and we'll go over anything that any questions that they might have, um, and anything that they might want to go over with me directly. I, I love physics. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of making things blow up. Um, (laughs) Oh, it's, it, I love hands-on uh, uh, scientific discovery. I think okay. it's the most amazing things possible to see a kid's eyes light up with a sudden understanding. Um, so usually when I get home and they have a question about something, they know that I'm going to start drawing on a, on a whiteboard. We have a, a very large um, school-sized whiteboard in our kitchen mm-hmm. uh, that we use to keep a list of chores and tasks throughout the day. Um, also, you know, for me to start drawing on when I need to draw schematics of atoms or, or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by the time, uh, dinner happens, um, and everybody cleans up from dinner, chores are finished. Um, by the time my wife and I usually get to bed, it's, it's usually pretty late. Okay. Our day begins at around seven, seven thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, and it usually ends at about eleven thirty, sometimes midnight. Yeah, and that's the course of every day in our house. Gotcha. Wow, that's um, <laughs> there's a there's a there's a lot there. There's a lot there. But again, man, I, I can't I can't congratulate you enough because I'm just so I'm just so like amazed and bewildered and honestly just inspired. You know, like uh, I I say I'm gonna have a lot of kids. I I don't think. Uh, I don't think 16s realistically. Uh, <laughs> I think I've left probably left that one too late, unless I want to adopt a whole bunch. Um, but um, one one thing I'm I'm curious about is 
how do you um how do you find enough time for one-on-one time with each child because of course you've talked about you know doing things in groups and doing things as a family but just given the sh- given the sheer number of people involved how do you and your wife make sure you get that one-on-one time um to deal with each individual child and each individual personality how do you manage that that that's the biggest challenge okay. i mean the the financial issue um the the the, the spacing issue the transportation issue, those aren't the biggest challenges. Sure. What you just asked, that is the biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, all of my children have different personalities, so I can't parent as if every one of them was the exact same. Sure. Um, my sons will need to hear things differently than my daughters will, and my daughters will look at things in, in their own different perspectives, and they're going to need at different periods of maturity a different style, a different uh, level of gentleness, a different level of firmness um, from me. So I've got to be different people for each one of my children. Um, That's 100% true. And while people will say, and I've heard this in the past, and I disagree with it 100%, um, well, there's only so much love that you can give to each child. That's not how love works. Yeah, I don't don't buy that one. Yeah, not not at all. I mean, I'm I'm one of five children, and you know, some people think five is a is a huge number, and I'm like, no, there's there's like all five of us got got and still get more than more than enough love. So I, I'm Absolutely. not convinced that even if you doubled or tripled that number, that somehow it would be diluted. I just think, like I said, I think the the time is the is the is the thing that's limited, not the love. Yeah, exactly, and that's yeah. that's where I was going with it. That. The more children you have, the more that the love in your family expounds it exponentially upon itself. Yeah. But there is still only 24 hours in a day. Mm-hmm. And the majority of my day is set aside that, so that I can actually go to work and I can get paid. Yeah. Um, so when I come home at the end of the day, uh, I definitely do have kids running up to me and want to show me this drawing and they want to read me this book and they want to they want my time and they crave my time. And that is critical. That's the most important thing for me to do with them at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do, I, I, I walk in the house um, and you know, I've got to, I got to hug my wife and I got to kiss her, tell her I missed her. Um, yeah. Make sure that she's okay. And she's not dealing with something quietly, but freaking out at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure she's okay and touch base. And then I'll start working through the rest of the kids. Um, they'll, they'll come to me with either a problem or with something that they want to show me or a story. And in any of those things, that type of interaction, uh, that's where I have an opportunity to what I, what I call push and pull, mm-hmm. um, d- different children. And this is what I've, I've tried to explain to my teenagers throughout the years. Um, if I don't know where my kids are at, I don't know what to push them forward into. So if I've got a child who uh, is considering, you know, playing basketball, but he's, you know, he's he's very shy and he doesn't know if he really wants to do it. He he's considering it, but he's not really sure. Mm-hmm. If I'm not spending time with that child and I'm not actually actively involved in his life, I don't know if he needs to be pushed out into doing something that he might be too shy to do. Yeah. Um, or maybe pulled back from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, he might be, you know, 
a little bit arrogant. He might be a little bit uh, aggressive. He might be wanting to play basketball so he can just, you know, crush people. And <laughs> I've got a couple of boys that that's how they play sports. They just want to dominate. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sometimes I have to pull them back a little bit and remind them that the reason that we play sports is teamwork, mm-hmm. not so that we can trash talk and, and you know, spike volleyballs and, and little girls' faces and <laughs> on, on, you know, it's, we want, we want to have the right perspective for why we do these things. Of course. Um, so I, I have to spend that time with them so I know what to push them forward into and what to pull them back from. Mm-hmm. Um, how I do it, honestly, it's just, it's what I do from the moment I get home to the moment I go to bed. Um, it's what I do during dinner. Um, it's what I do when we sit down with a group of my older boys and we sit down and watch a movie. When the movie's done, we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, we just watched a fantastic movie, which I hope it, I guess it's okay if I say that. Yeah, name. of course. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, called, uh, uh, warrior, um, with, uh, Oh, what's his name? Um, uh, Hardy, Thomas Hardy. Oh, Tom Hardy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, a fantastic, fantastic movie, mm-hmm. but it, it it focused on on brotherhood and it focused on on a lot of uh, family um, interactions that you know focused a lot on alcoholism. Mm-hmm. I have experience with alcoholism in my family. Okay, from where I come from, that's not something that my kids have experience with. But when I see that in the movie, I know what's going on, so I can I can speak with my sons about that, and I can. I can spend that time with them and I can kind of probe their minds for where they're at. Um, and that's just from watching a simple movie together. Um, yeah. And how, how do you, um, how throughout this whole period, how do you, I mean, you've sort of alluded to it earlier well, with the sports, but how do you handle the socialization aspect with the kids? Obviously they've got their siblings and a lot of them, um, but what about friends outside, of course, with them being homeschooled? I know that's always a question and concern for a lot of people when they think about homeschooling, they always wonder, oh, well, what about mixing and mingling with other kids and making friends and stuff like that? So how, how do you, um, how, how do you go about with that aspect of it, given that they're not going into a sort of, uh, public school or private school or something like that? Um, so my, my opinion on the socialization issue is I, I believe based on my experience is that I've seen a lot of, um, maladjusted, uh, publicly educated kids. Oh, for sure. Um, and I've seen maladjusted privately educated and homeschool educated children. Sure. I, I think it's less an issue of, are you, you know, are you socialized with this group mm-hmm. than it is how actively involved are your parents in you understanding how to socialize correctly and appropriately? Mm-hmm. Uh, we do encourage our kids to socialize with other, other friends. That's not something we pull them back from. Mm-hmm. Um, we do encourage our sons uh, into sports, mm-hmm. um, our daughters as well. Um, but it's different for different children. My twins would much rather prefer to sit and read a book than they would talk to somebody. Yeah, yeah. They would much rather, you know, engage with, you know, Jane Eyre than they would with, you know, an actual individual. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my oldest daughter, um, you know, she would much rather spend time around 
little children and, and babies. That's her idea of socialization. Um, whereas my, you know, my oldest son and, and, you know, my, uh, my, my first, second and third oldest son, sons, um, hanging out together with each other mm -hmm. and, and spending time with their friends. Now that my oldest son can drive, that's his ticket to socialization. He loves, yeah. to, oh, he loves his car. His car is freedom. Yeah. So, you know, do we do play dates? No. Um, do we, uh, you know, are, we bring our children to church. Mm -hmm. uh, our church is fairly large. Okay. Um, it's about 500 to 600 people. Okay. What, uh, what denomination is it just out of curiosity? Uh, it's church of Christ. Okay. Um, which it, I, some people call non-denominational. I just, I mean, I just know it as church of Christ. Sure. Um, uh, I, we've, we're asked constantly, you know, usually it goes, are we Catholic? Mm -hmm. Are you Mormon? Yeah. <laughs> You know, and <laughs> those three questions, um, you know, we're not Catholic. I have a grandmother who's Catholic, who sure. was very, very proud of all the children that we had. She yeah. thought it was the best thing imaginable, <laughs> all of these children. Yeah. Um, but, uh, um, no, it, even in, even in our, our, in our denomination, um, you know, what we've chosen to do with our family, uh, is, has been a personal conviction of my wife and I. Sure. It um, is not, you know, it's, it's, it's not, um, I hope I say this the right way. It's not um, typical, mm -hmm. like, say, a large family would be uh, in a Catholic household or, you know, in a Catholic church. Mm -hmm. um, we've had plenty of people who, in our own church, who think that we're crazy. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I think, I think once you, once you get up to, um, you know, that, here's a question. At, at what number did people start? looking at you like you were crazy or sort of asking, asking questions. <laughs> oh, what was the what one? Was the oh, really? Oh, definitely. I, when we were, I mean, oh, cause, wife, you were, cause you were young. Oh yeah. They, okay. oh, I can't tell you how many times people told us that we had ruined our lives. Oh, wow. Ruined our lives by having children. Um, I can't tell you how many guys uh, told me that I had, I had ruined my life by getting married early because I would never be able to, you know, uh, test the waters and find out all these brother. That's not something that I want to do. Yeah. I want to find a good woman, um, which I did. Yep. And I want to occur my life with her, yep. which I am. Which, which you, you, you've more than you've more than accomplished. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, that's, that's the focus that I want to direct my sons to. Yeah. I don't want to direct my sons to, well, you know, you, whatever you do, don't get married and whatever you do, don't have kids because yeah. you need to stay free as long as possible. Uh, I am, I am free as a father and a husband, mm -hmm. I mean, that, that type of freedom, my gosh, that's what I've wanted my entire life. Yeah. Well, I mean, man, you, you, you've got something that, you know, certainly on a, on a level that, you know, almost nobody does like, you know, it's so, so rare to, to have that. I mean, we, we live in this day and age and time period where, you know, even it, it seems like just having a, a, a functioning altogether family in itself is increasingly becoming a rarity which is you know which is kind of sad and you know there are a lot of people in my generation and the younger generations whatever who are you know sometimes for good reasons sometimes for not so good reasons are just kind of like uh you know people aren't so people aren't so sure about stuff right the, the sort of response to marriage and children and you know I, i'm sure you've you'll you'll be getting this right you're getting people who are 
commenting, you know, what about the environment or the, the world is overpopulated or this or that. And there's this really sort of like negative perspective on so many aspects of what is what what's really sort of what we're what we are on on earth for certainly to a large degree um and that seems to be something that is sort of increasing in the in the western world i think outside of it it's not really um it's not really a major thing like in, in a lot of parts of the world if someone says they have four children or five children you know no one no one bats an eyelid or looks at them weird but here it seems like you know once someone goes past around three people are already like oh my gosh this is what what is going on you know just the fact people ask you like are you crazy and it's like why why do you have to be crazy to you know 16's a lot of course i think you'd admit that, admit that but but to me is that's not crazy i'm like i saw that i was like awesome <laughs> I, was, I, saw, I was like awesome i was just like but i was like wow i have so many questions i was like how do they how do they manage this and you know what's their what's their faith and morality and belief system like what's what's driving you know, at that stage, it's like, okay, there's clearly a sort of worldview that is that is driving this for on, on both the part of the man and the woman. So that's kind of what I was really, really, really curious about. I've had people uh, tell me that I am uh, selfish for putting too much of my genetic information uh, out into the world <laughs> because um, by infusing too much of my genetic information into my local gene pool, um, I am increasing the possibility for uh, uh, genetic disease or what? crazy nonsense. Um, people, that doesn't even make sense. It, it, people will say anything, but yeah. it's because they're taught this. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I, think, I think when I was in college, I first came across the, the population bomb, mm -hmm. uh, the book by, I forget his name now, but it was written back in, I think, 68 or 70. Mm -hmm. um, which discussed the the idea that um, the world was going to end in the 80s, I think. Yeah. The world was going to end in the 80s because we we're all going to starve to death because of we course. had two kids. Yeah, it's the um, Malthusian arguments. Yes, exactly. Precise. Yeah. Um, that the the concept that you know that the limited amount of of food resources that the that the food resources that that's the most um, uh, critical resource. Um, and, and I disagree with that wholeheartedly from a very basic level. I think that the, the most critical resource that we have as a species is our children. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can, you know, I'm not even going to approach this from a, from a faith-based perspective, but if by having children, I am creating another generation of well-balanced, um, service oriented, Mm -hmm. uh, loving, um, stewardly minded individuals, I am adding to my, my society, my, my local society, my local community. I am adding good individuals into that community. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to do. I want to elevate the people that are around us and I want to mm -hmm. elevate my own children so that they are growing up with that knowledge that, Hey, you know, we're members of a community. We're members of a society. It's not just about us. Um, and I think it's kind of hard to go to a large family and find a kid who thinks that it's all about them. Yeah. I don't think you're going to find that. Not, in, mm -hmm. you know, not in, you could have four kids and it's going to be kind of hard to find one of those children who thinks it's all about them. Yep. Um, it's definitely not the case in my family. Yeah. <laughs> no, 
that it's not all about them and they're definitely part of a larger community and they have to be responsible and add into that community. Um, so if I look at my children as the greatest resource that us as a society and you know, as, a, as a human being that we have, why would I not want to grow that resource? Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm, 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 I'm with you 100%. I'm with you 100%. I mean, I think I think this is how uh, we we came to encounter each other anyway because <laughs> I was I was expressing some some similar thoughts in in the light of uh you know people people telling me it's crazy and that the world is overpopulated and other such nonsense which which is just it's these things aren't even true like they're not it's not they're not accurate statements people have been freaking out about you know I I I think you could someone can make the argument that there are certain maybe there are about 20 to 30 cities on earth that you could argue are overpopulated, yeah. you know, but you know, if you, if you're, I could, you, maybe you can make the argument that Tokyo is overpopulated or Delhi is overpopulated, or maybe New York city or London are overpopulated, but the world in general, it's like, what does that even mean? That's nonsensical. I, I live in um, West Virginia. I mean, it's yeah. not, I mean, I could go to Montana or, or Colorado. I mean, these are wide open spaces with plenty of, yeah. of room for somebody to, you know, be able to support themselves and their family. Yeah. Um, and humans create more resources as well. This absolutely. is the thing people always forget, right? Like people, yeah. No, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, I was going to say, like, people have this idea that, okay, you've got like just X amount, X amount of each thing. And it, and it's just, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, everything is non renewable. And it's like, look, you need human beings and you need human mind capacity is what has even, allowed all of this growth if you were to go back to 1900 given the resources and the tools and the technology etc they had then mm -hmm. maybe the world couldn't even support like a you know three or four billion population but as it reaches those numbers the capacity is always growing the capacity is increasing people are becoming more resourceful people come up with technology people come up with different ways to do things that that's even on the sort of scientific level but then like you said you know even more on the sort of like spiritual level if you want to if you want to call it that and in terms of putting goodness out into the world and having like great people out there doing great things and increasing the love etc um yeah i mean no no i don't think anyone's going to be able to convince me that uh assuming people are bringing you know well-adjusted kids into the world <laughs> i I've, I've come across um families that that are, are larger families that i would I would say, you know, based upon just my experience with them, might not be in the healthiest position, whether it's, um, you know, drug or alcohol abuse or whether sure. other things happening in the family, uh, okay. maybe a worldview that demeans women uh, mm -hmm. or that, uh, that somehow elevates, you know, the husband to a position of, you know, king or something in the household. Um, sure. which is, which is a really, it's, it's, it's a, that's a cancerous idea because it mm. separates uh, individuals and creates this, this strange kind of, um, distance between fathers and sons and fathers and daughters. And mm. anyway, um, when what you just said was actually, I, I had written a few notes down because I wanted to make sure that I said this. <laughs> and so you, but you, you beat me to it. You said the exact same thing that I firmly believe if, and if kids are our, our greatest, our greatest resource and necessity is the mother of invention, we're going to have all of these things that these children and future generations will, because they're well-adjusted and because they're thrifty-minded and because they are service-minded, they're going to bring these inventions and they're going to bring this technology and they're going to bring these advancements 
in the society. But if we have a complacent society that own, has grown up, you know, it's, hey, mom and dad and me and my brother or me and my sister, and it was just the two of us, it was just the one of us, and you're only considering yourself, and you're only considering, okay, maybe you and just one other person, then your mind is not going to be attuned to, you know, what can I do to, you know, exchange goods and services for the value of a dollar? What can I do to, you know, my gosh, man, I want more Elon Musk's. That, mm-hmm. that's what I want in the world. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We need more Elon Musk's. We need more individuals who are willing to invest, take risks, take chances, start podcasts. I mean, I, I hope that my children and what they've already told me that they want to do, um, I, I hope that they are successful in what they do. And I, I hope that they, they reach both uh, an inner satisfaction and a worldly satisfaction. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't think that being part of a large family has hindered them. I think it's helped them. Yeah, absolutely. Alex, man, it's been, it's been so good to talk to you. I mean, your, your story and what you're doing is incredibly inspiring and insightful. And I think a lot of people are going to be, uh, ho- hopefully, th- hopefully this can also change some minds of some of the people who are just thought this whole thing is, uh, is, is crazy or that you're somehow being irresponsible or anything like that. Cause it sounds like the absolute total opposite to me. And I think you are. You are literally doing the Lord's work. So God bless you. God bless your wife and God bless your family. Uh, before we wrap up, is there anything that you want the, that you wanted to put out to the listeners out there? Um, anything you've got going on? Even I don't know if there's anything you'd want to promote, but if there is anything you want to promote, or if not, just anything you want to, you want to say of closing statement, perhaps? Um, I, I would say that, I mean, there may be some people and some people reached out and contacted me on Twitter, um, some younger gentlemen who were thinking about starting a family. Um, and they were kind of, you know, I mean, they were at a position where they were fearful. They were afraid to start a family, especially in the environment um, that exists today. Uh, mm-hmm. Here in America, we're definitely going through some difficult times. We're not the only place in the world that's going through some difficult times, um, but it's, it's definitely a period of instability. Um, I would encourage people at this point, um, in my opinion, I think this is the best time to have a family because growing up um, in a, 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 time of, a time of crisis and a time of instability, you understand what family is really there for. Um, yeah. you, you grow together as a group. You, grow, you understand your role as a father and protector and provider in your household. Um, even if you know you you may not agree with me uh, in in a lot of my perspectives and worldviews, and I, I completely understand and accept that. Um, I would encourage anybody that's that's thinking about becoming a father not to believe uh, the the fear that is being peddled by uh, a lot of the media that you know media and media personalities that uh, that for whatever reason they don't want to see um, young men invested in being a good father and, and a good husband mm-hmm. you know take that chance you know, don't be afraid don't be doubtful um be humble in your abilities but my gosh you know, step out there and do it people for generations past have done it you know yeah. it's, it's not like being a father is a new thing mm-hmm. um, you know you're going to learn and you're going to grow as time goes by uh your every day is going to be a new day i mean there was a day when hey this is the first time i'd ever been a husband and then it was the first time I'd ever been a father. Then it was the first time I'd ever been a father of three girls. And it was the first, I mean, it, it's nothing but a series of firsts 
And that's never going to end. So if you ever think, well, I need to wait until I'm ready, I guarantee you, you're never going to be ready. You have to do it, accept that it's a, it's a fluid battlefield. Um, and uh, I mean, charge into the breach without, without fear. And just do it. I love that. Baby boom incoming. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk again. All right. Thank you, brother. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.